Land ahoy! Oh my gosh, look at that, out in the distance. Look, is that, is that land, Tom? Land? Yeah, and, and people. What, what are the people doing? Aren't they going to be isolated right I, now? I thought so, Tom. They must have lifted it. They're chanting Amy Winehouse, Tom. Oh no, I think the pubs might be open. I think we should just turn back around. Maybe it's for the best. <laughs> it's Tom, I'm out of attack. So that's our little story that's been ongoing for a fair few weeks now, where we were on a desert island, isolating, and we finally made off the island on our raft to return back to the British Isles, where we have seen the flocks of people who have come out, because over in in the UK at least, uh, this lockdown has lifted somewhat, and the pubs, restaurants now open again. And it's a little bit scary, but it's got to happen sometime, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, for sure. how people behave. I mean, I was about to say to you, I was just like, do you really need to explain the joke? I mean, it's been a, it's been a running gag for a while, but then I, you are I, right. I thought I might might have to, the new listeners who have been flocking to our podcast, because you are now famous, Matthew. <laughs> your, your fame has increased uh, somewhat as you've been featured on a podcast. Do you want to yeah, tell everyone about that? Unfortunately for you, that podcast doesn't come out until next week, so I don't think my fame has quite increased just oh, yet. Okay. No, okay. Um, well, I... They... Yeah. I was lucky enough to be invited on the Drunk Friends podcast, um, which is hosted by two notable YouTubers, uh, Alex, who is Sinez Drunk on YouTube, and then Travis, who's NES Friend on NES Friend, I guess is how I pronounce it. I'm just being really British and going... No, I think it would be NES, because he's American. I'm not I'm not sure. I'm confuddled in my own notes. The worst anyway... thing you can do is call it NES. I was watching a gadget show the other week, and the presenter on there called a NES. Yeah, well, I, I to be honest with you, I'd probably call it, well, i call it a Nez. Cause, uh, yeah, yeah, but a Nez, a Nez would imply two S's, like the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that was a, surely an advert that should have been made. Like an NES <laughs> rising out of Loch Ness. No, I, well, I think I, in the UK they were so obscure, they were a bit like Loch Ness Monster anyway, weren't they? Yeah, well, that's the weird thing. I think we've talked about this a couple of times, that I was the only person I knew growing up with an NES, and a Super Nintendo for that matter. Everyone else I knew had bloody Master Systems and then Mega Drives. Which made swapping mm. games very difficult. Did you have a Mattel NES? Ness. I do Nez. not know. It is in my attic somewhere because it had... Uh, the flashing light of doom on that right. console and i never bothered your to story. change the 72 pins yeah i was on a podcast god i even said yesterday at the end of it they were just like oh is there anything you want to plug i was like well you know youtube channel da, da, da. i was like oh, i also do a podcast it's probably not as tight as this there were questions there were there were processes and there's just us two talking over each other and yeah, you know nonsense. i wouldn't have it any other way matt well that, that's kind of our charm i like to think yeah We've got that people in a pub vibe for people who don't actually want to go to a pub, which is responsible. Anyway, um, I was asked about YouTube and making the the channel and biographic and how all of that came about, and there were listener questions and all these things. It was, it was very nice. It was and, a cool and you interview. said you were inspired by me. 
I, I may not have mentioned you, Tom Parry, other than yeah, my, well, it's fine. my podcasting host. No, I, I mean, I did say that like it started as a thing where I just wanted to kind of document all of the stuff I was buying, which admittedly is a tip from you. Just like, why don't you do a YouTube channel? But yeah, it is what it is. Chris, this is supplementary material it to that. It's like the director's commentary of another podcast. <laughs> who'd have thought it would come to this? Are you trying to take up my thing of singing? I'm trying to say, you don't remember me, do you? <laughs> I don't know the song. I can't even sing along. Oh, Hot Chocolate. Started with a kiss, no? Oh, okay. Yeah, I do. Oh. You don't remember me, do you? Yeah, yeah right, I got yeah. you. That, that, that one. Yes, okay. Um... Congratulations, yeah. though. Th- well, no, it was uh, thank you to Alex and Travis for inviting me on. I was super flattered that people would actually want to listen to these Welton Lilsch tones and talk about YouTube and stuff. Well, I was saying just before we started podcasting, what you've got is a niche. You've got a very different kind of channel to a lot of other ones. You know, you're specifically Game Boy related. And the way you do the videos, I think, is quite unique compared to some others. And what's good about them is you know what you're talking about. Because there's plenty yeah. out there who don't have the same knowledge you do trying to talk about the same sort of things. And uh, <laughs> I, I, for one, appreciate that you're out there uh, doing these really high-quality uh, retrospectives of uh, Game Boy games. Thank you. It, yeah, I, I, I know you, you watch the videos from time to time. And uh, your, I your try, support try is watch always appreciated. Yeah. Occasionally I miss the odd one, but... Yeah, that's that's not like this about me. I, I I don't want to. We were actually having this conversation on that podcast yesterday about like the difference between mm. people whose faces are in YouTube videos and people whose faces are ah. not in YouTube videos. And we were kind of talking about like, yeah, we don't, kind of don't really want to be in the spotlight too much when we're making these videos. But then also like, I also mentioned that I did stand up, and they were like, but that's like the most person in a youtube thing you can do like that's weird that you chose not to but be you, in your videos yeah but... you don't feel the need to do it i guess no exactly i i i just like talking i mean like you you do what you do you are in your videos and your videos generally are around you as the personality of tom parry who is a real person of course it's not like you're acting but that's what you've always done that was the natural way that you found to express yourself in youtube right i mean like even the stuff that you used to do before Blast Process, which is like making music videos and stuff, you like yeah, acting no, and directing. I, and I being guess, in I guess, yeah. Not really thought about that much. No, me neither. I um, didn't really think about it either. Yeah, yeah. It's not a conscious thing that you're going to say, I'm going to make videos where I'm not in them. I'm going to make videos where I am in them. It's just however you first think about doing it, I suppose. I yeah. suppose I would say I've not thought too much about how I'm going to do my videos, other than more recently, kind of be really lazy with them. And uh, <laughs> and uh, do this sort of handheld camera thing and say it's like a vlog. Yeah. Um, but then again, I say really lazy. Uh, however, recording gameplay footage and editing that into that other footage is the time-consuming part, I think, of making yeah. YouTube videos. But then again, like, I mean, the only video I think on the channel where I've attempted to do, like some kind of like oh look at this i'm shooting with a camera and there's lighting involved was with the peripheral vision that i once did of uh, the hdmi boy remember that and i you know like i'm not a camera person i don't have that training in like operating no a camera. So, so you say you'll do it like a vlog and i actually 
<laughs> That's what I do. And I quite like that because I think YouTube videos are now so professional looking. It's so hard to compete with those other people out there. And people actually expect that. And they expect yeah. it on Twitch as well. They expect a pro setup from Twitch, a pro setup from YouTube. Anything less than that, you're not successful. Yeah. So I think the way you've got this going, with not being on camera, not having to worry about lighting and such and all that business, actually lends the level of professionalism to your videos by not doing that. Yeah, you know? maybe. Because as you uh, say yourself, you know, you're not a camera person. You haven't got the lighting equipment. I mean, it's not to say I can't do that either. I mean, like, I think I, if you I've put studied, your mind to it, of course I've studied you could. photography and stuff in the past. Like, I know yeah. how to take a good photo. I know how to, like, make sure lighting balance and stuff works. But is that just... important? The no, game's not... important. That's what you're talking about. It's not it? what I want to do. It's not what I've, yeah. I've ever really wanted to do. Like, and yes, there are times where I'm like, oh, well, I really wish I could review this hardware. But, like, a lot of that then includes, like, showing it and doing all these other things. I tell you what, you should do do it on a sofa. That's a great way of just doing do, it. Just be ashens, <laughs> is that what you're telling me? I, I say he was onto something there, because it works. Yeah, you know, it does. I, last, I did the unboxing of the Tetris Effect vinyl soundtrack. Yeah. And yeah, sofa, fine. Works. Fair enough. So, your hands, you, you, you do a lot with your hands. Ooh. You can wear gloves. And I'm doing stuff with my hands, but this is a podcast, so you don't see it. Why so. haven't you taken ashens to like the next level? Why haven't you made charactered gloves? You could bring gloves. them in, you know, and they they could have flamboyant things like sequins and stuff. If you, I like, think Ooh. there's people out there on YouTube doing things like that. I saw a guy unbox one of these knockoff consoles. Um, the what? You know, the Soldier Boy console. Yeah, I do you remember the Soldier Boy business, console? Right? Someone was oh. unboxing that with these gloves, and they were making it like the most beautiful, pristine unboxing with these gloves, white gloves. Um, so I, yeah, it's people doing that. I didn't of. even realize that Soldier Boy console actually came out. That's amazing. I need one. I think it's, you know, that they're out there not necessarily branded Soldier Boy as well. The console exists being sold through different, you know, avenues. Yeah. He sold you. I got something recently. I got this. Oh, look at that. This is uh, RG300. I'm showing Matt a portable games console that I purchased recently. It looks like a Game Boy and a Super Nintendo had a baby. And that's an aesthetic I'm very much into. 50 quid. It's full of games i won't say any more than that um <laughs> all legitimate of course <laughs> all legitimate of course and actually if you want to play for example pokemon yeah, oh so pretty no, good for not that. even you don't, limited. Have to worry, don't worry about um having to change your batteries over for your save games anymore you can play all those classic games and and the screen is um, impeccable on this thing. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, like there have been a lot of people within the Game Boy modding scene for a while, particularly people like Ben Venn, who have been making like custom hardware and stuff and making sure they're getting the best quality screens from Japan and stuff. So it doesn't surprise me that the work they have been doing... Oh, look at that. That's very sharp. This works really well on the podcast. Um, the work they've been doing to make really nice screens and like integrate those with hardware is actually now starting to come through in like knockoff consoles it, it makes a lot of sense yeah yeah that looks and that of course gorgeous, you, you have to own Skype. the games legitimately uh, yeah of course these are I backup do. roms that you've clearly made yourself tom parry yeah um 
To be fair, you it's, do it's own really, a copy of Pokemon really, Yellow. I would recommend this, Matthew, but I think you have a similar device anyway, don't you? Yeah, I do. I I mean, I, I have... Uh, viewing the, angles. Great. Check that viewing angle out. Core, blimey. It even looks nice over Skype cameras, Tom. Uh, yeah, there I mean, I've... I've got the one I have from Love Holton, uh, which is a, a wonderful present from my lovely lady wife on a, my 30th birthday, which is a very sleek, made-out-of-teak-looking Game Boy, which is the closest yeah. I think I'll ever get to a wooden Game Boy. So, yeah, I, this I love thing that thing. is uh, a little uncomfortable after a while. It's quite small and, and uh, yeah. That's Mine feels good in the hand. 300. I will say that. Even though it's wood, it's it got a nice size That's ratio nice. to That's... it. That's the only thing I can really criticise about that thing, and it crashed a couple of times, but other than that, it's fine. Fair enough. <laughs> you get what you pay for. Um, moving on, have you been playing any uh, legitimate games? Legitimate games. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, right, so uh, the reason we haven't done the podcast for a while, I'm sure we mentioned it at the end of the last one, I went to Hungary. I did pick up some games while I was on my way back, um, but I, I've played very little actually uh, before this podcast i i had raided the local library because it is open again and picked up a couple of games there and there were some things i'd been curious about i was like okay maybe i should pick this up and i got our world is ended if you remember that game it came out that's for the switch isn't it yeah it came out at the end of last year i think it's also on steam but it it is a visual novel, and I, I had heard <sighs> that aesthetically it was quite similar to both the um, 999 games, like Fate's Last right. Door, but also a bit of Persona thrown in. And I was like, okay. okay. Persona is essentially a visual novel with gameplay hooks throughout it. 999 and Virtue's Last Reward and all the other games in that nonary game series have... There are puzzles and things you're doing, and there's yeah. some stuff. So I was like, okay, let, let's see how this is. This, Tom Parry, I've played 15 minutes of the prologue. Um, there there have been a lot of like anime risque jokes. There has been mm. not a lot of gameplay beyond... This sounds like a nightmare. I, I don't know. Like I, I, said, I said to my lovely lady wife, I was just like, well... I don't know, like, because I like visual novels, but I, as long as there is more to it than being just straight up text, and there is Japanese VO, which is quite helpful as someone studying Japanese, you can hear things. Yeah. But that also then adds to the length of the game. It's like, well, I've already read this, so like, I'm listening to this then passively for longer than I've already read it is this something I really want to continue with? And I, I think I'll get out of the prologue. I think I'll see if there is anything more to it bar just reading text. Because at the moment... like Jumpy didn't buy it. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I had thought about it because it came in like a snazzy day one edition and it had some like oh, keychain and bits of tat with it that yeah. I was like, oh, that, that, that looks interesting. I like the art style. The music, yeah. I will say, is very good. It's kind of got that jazzy persona thing to it that oh, I yeah. really like I about persona that. soundtracks. Yeah. But and this is this is dialing right into the heart of Matt Boyle. It's also got a bit of Vince DeCola, uh, Rocky Four slash Transformers nineteen eighty six synth pop to it. That is just like ticks both my boxes. It's like modern jazz and eighties okay. so synth it's... pop. A better game to listen to than it is to play. Yeah, that's kind of been my, my issue with the, the 15 minutes of it I played. It was just like, well, like, 
from an audio point of view, this is really good because I can practice listening to a bit of Japanese and the soundtrack. The soundtrack absolutely slaps, and I'm like, okay, cool. Is the story interesting? No. So far, you say, yeah, you, no, that's, that's the big all. criticism. Which you because that's what you've got to have, haven't you? Key. If you're going to have a game like that, it's got to be well, an interesting I, story. So this game kind of. There was oh god, there was a game I played for the PS4, right, and I've forgotten about it completely. And it was essentially kind of like the story of this. Have you seen Sword Art Online? I don't think so. So oh yes, no, I've heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of it. It's popular, isn't it? Yeah. So the the story for Sword Art Online is essentially everyone buys these VR headsets and they put them on and play this big MMO and essentially they end up getting locked in the MMO and there's no way to take the helmets off without killing people and if you die in the game you die in real life and oh. you know that old chestnut so that's there like that came out and obviously that was hugely influential I played a a JRPG not too long ago I've talked in the podcast but I forgot what it was for the PS4 that had this kind of like, oh, we're playing an RPG, but oh, these these things keep flowing over into the real world, and I, I think there's that mm. going on with our world's ended. But I, okay. I think that there may be like you may be going through like the tropes of video game worlds and stuff, but I think also then that mm. what you're doing in the video game world is having an impact on the on the real world from the the trailer I watched. Yeah. I'm not too sure. It could be quite interesting, but again, it, it has been obnoxiously like um, I guess etchy anime for lack of a better term like the, see, yeah. like the hey we're going to be slightly horny for no real reason other than you're a, you're a male gamer well, who likes games yeah right 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 boobs and it's like uh, I don't know when, when there's so many games it's, it's too many good games to play to be playing the not so good games it yeah. feels to me like and you know yeah. like the, there are games out there like the nonary game series that are very good visual novels like i'm not averse to a very good visual novel but from what i've played in this 15 minutes nothing about the story has really seemed that unique or that gripping enough they've not really set it up in a way that i've gone oh man i'll play through the prologue i'll see if by the end of that there is something and then if there is i'll talk about it next week if not i will tell you that no i just Mm. ended up taking it back okay um, I was asked the other day if I play Last of Us 2, and I was like, no. And then it was, well, you're a gamer, you like games, why don't you play Last of Us 2? And I'm like, well, for me personally, I don't play a lot of long games. I always play the beginning of a game. I've played lots of the beginning of games. Yes. <laughs> and I love that spin-off of Last of Us, the original, um, I forget what, called Left Behind? Yeah, I was, never played that. I could that. complete it. I could complete it in a, a small space of time and appreciate the gameplay I kind of got the Last of Us experience from playing that. Yeah. The gameplay, yeah, I assume the main game is very similar to this stealth and killing and and such. Along with some good writing and some good characters and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I haven't played Last of Us 2. That would be probably the the game the most buzz is around right at this moment. Have you played it, Matthew? I have not, Tom. I mean, you know my feelings towards The Last of Us. I think... I, I Yeah, I thought I knew I would know the answer. The Last question. of Us is a very grim game. I yeah. Even in a time before a, pan, a global pandemic, even in a time before people were locked in their houses, 
Last of Us came out in the middle of the summer, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll play this game. I'll see what it's about. Bought the limited edition and everything because I like the word. I remember. Dog. What did it come with a back? <laughs> no, it's a weird <laughs> thing. It's called like the Joel edition, and I think that for Last yeah. of Us 2, the, they tried to do the same thing where it's like the Ellie edition. It comes wrapped There, there was a Joel and an Ellie edition for Last of Us 1. All oh, right, okay, yeah, but I, yeah. I, I got, I got the jewel edition, and it's wrapped in cloth, and it, 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 it's, it's not a bag. It's not a little drawstring bag. No, I don't think it is. I just think it's like no, okay. a cloth container. I could be wrong, but like, yeah. I, I put that game in my console. I played it through, and I've never really thought about that game. Again. I remember you always telling me it was a bit miserable. It's very. It was miserable. really, really draining emotionally. Yeah, like. Oh god! Bleak. Right, so I'm I'm going to talk about spoilers for the Last of Us one for the next ten minutes. Apologies. So like the end of that game is right because uh, you you haven't completed. It. I don't think we've ever talked about it in this podcast for this very reason. I've done spoilers. as I've done with many games. Played the first hour. Yeah. So like <laughs> what it eventually comes down to is Joel lost his own daughter at the start of the mm. game. So then when he encounters Ellie and he gets asked to take Ellie to this like lab where she is, he has to like look after her, and he, a paternal bond kind of forms between the yeah. two of them. And essentially what ends up happening in the last bit of the game, other than like this creepy group of like nomadic guys trying to abduct her for clearly like suggestively awful things, um, they... You get to the lab at the end, which should be like the hope for the whole game of like, yeah, you've got her to this place, she's going to be safe here, da 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 yeah. And then it, it, it turns out that what this lab is, is essentially them experimenting on children. And like, it turns out that the reason that you have been protecting Ellie this entire time is that she is immune to this virus and she is like one of a handful of people, maybe the only person in the world who is immune to this virus. And for you to for you to get through to that and like maybe save the world, you need to sacrifice Ali, which, you know, draws back to the start where like Joel can protect his own daughter. And so like he kills everyone. Like, he just, like, straight up murders all these scientists because they come at him going, like, well, no, this is what you were supposed to do. You were bringing her here to save humanity. You've brought her here, let her save humanity. And he's like, well, no, fuck you. I'm not going to kill this kid for the sake of this. Ends up killing everyone. The experiments break out. They then kill people. And, like, this last hope of humanity, which would admittedly rest on the death of this child and, like, a moral choice there, gets overrun, so there's, like, no hope of a cure, potentially, in Last of Us 2. I don't know if the story's changed or not. And the end of the game is, after you manage to get Ellie out of there, and you save her and whatever, you... you're walking along a mountain ridge, and, like, after all of this shit has gone down, because Ellie kind of knows that she's immune to this thing, and she, like, asks Joel at the very end of the game, and she's like, could I have saved everyone? And he turns around to her, and it's very like, it's very still. It's a it's an amazing moment. Like it's cinematography, yeah. and like the atmosphere, you can cut the tension with a knife. And he says to yeah. her, "No." And you're on this cliff, and like Just so she isn't burdened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With and that, everything's yeah. really still, and she says, "Okay," and she makes a she goes to move then to carry on walking. 
and honestly, because the game is so grim, dark, and so depressing, yeah. I honestly thought she was going to know he was lying, throw herself off the cliff. And I was just like, but it doesn't. It ends. She goes, okay. They start walking, and it cuts to black. So, like, I think well, she this... knows all of this stuff. And, like, listening to you say that, yeah. it, it does sound like a good story. It sounds yeah. like a very gripping, uh, well. But, but yeah, that, that decision that Joel makes not to sacrifice Ellie, that's, that's a big deal, isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah, as yeah. a player, you know, uh, I think I've read reviews of Last of Us 2 and they've, they've brought this point up, you know, that that's an interesting thing for him to do to make that decision not to sacrifice Ellie. Yeah. Um, For the sake of the whole uh, human race, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but then again, it's like, uh, yeah, it's the father who's lost his daughter before being asked to lose another, effectively, daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also like yeah. that moral question of like, okay, do you save yeah. one person to save many people? Or, it, yeah. like, if you've seen The Good Place, there's a thing called the trolley problem. And it's like, okay, well, you've got, you're going down a track and there's one person you know personally and like, then on the other side, there's yeah. a couple of people who you don't know, and it's like, well, which you can only steer the trolley left or right. Which of these people do you kill? And it's like the moral. Oh, it's, hor- it's that yeah. horrible thing. Yeah, you can only it's... save one person. Yeah, all this. It's like Saw, isn't it? It's all yeah. these horrible situations, and that's really why I don't like watching the Saw films because they always do yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, there's actually I would recommend uh, there's a amazing short story by one of my favourite authors, uh, whose name is Ursula Le Guin she's the woman who wrote Earthsea and countless other amazing books she has a short story called The Ones Who Walk Away From Omelas, like the whole I won't spoil it, it like, but it is, it's a moral dilemma of a story that she's telling she is telling to you as like a, a moral parable like there's no mm. like illusion of this massive story, she's like okay well let's imagine this place and it's the the best place that's ever existed everyone's happy there's no war there's no poverty there's no hunger there's no disease and she she breaks down this whole story and then she's like well what if i told you to achieve that there's a room somewhere in this town like deep down below the town and within it there's a child being tortured and like that child's suffering is the thing that oh. makes this whole world possible. Oh, it's horrible, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Horrible thought. But yeah, it, that story is incredible. It's really powerful, really gripping. I also think The Last of Us is, to be fair. As you say, I think yeah. the way... The gameplay, not so much. I'm not really a big fan of the stealth gameplay because it's like, as soon as you alert a creature and it attacks you, you die unless you're playing on easy. And there's a lot mm. of like pushing around uh, platforms with sticks that evolve like you playing as Joel for a section and then Ellie like in that Resident yeah. Evil 2 like switchy between Leon and yeah. Ada Claire. way no you know what I mean like when you're like when you're Claire and then you play as Shelly for a little bit you know there's that kind of like oh, oh sure the, li- the little yeah. girl sorry it's been a while yeah. I'm powerless <laughs> I'm walking over here which is generally yeah. what you are with Ellie for a lot of that game until the later I time. see I get you yeah, anyway, I, let's wrap this up because I said we were only going to talk about this for 10 minutes for people who are skipping ahead. But it, it's a very powerful story. But hmm. one at the time where all of this stuff wasn't happening that is going on in the world, Yeah, I didn't really want to engage with. Cause I was like, no, and I don't. And I don't feel like that's something I want to play. But, you know, 
there's a lot of people out there who are loving the game, who are appreciating it, who can kind of... I don't tend to watch TV programs as well. They're, they're like crime or bleak or... I don't watch a lot of that. Sometimes when I do, though, I enjoy them and I kind of... But, you know, they don't necessarily make me feel good. And right no. now I feel like I'd like to watch things which uplift me yes. a little or, or a more humorous, lighter... Uh, I enjoyed the Eurovision film with Will Ferrell. I, I um, haven't seen it yet, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just a thing about as you get it older as person. a person, right? Like I think, I think there's only so much like emotional weight you can put on mm. yourself as a person who is yeah. trying to like strive, and especially right now. Like I mean, a lot of people are emotionally taxed. You see things on the BBC and the Guardian and everywhere else reporting the like. Mental health is getting very low because of the situation and uncertain features and yeah. things. And to emotionally burden yourself with media that it, that is emotionally draining. Like there's things like The Handmaid's Tale, which I've watched the first season of, and we we will probably watch the second season of at some point because it is incredibly well made. It's an incredibly gripping story, and it is this idea of like, oh my god, like can you imagine the world was like this? But yeah. I feel that also like dystopian narratives and narratives that are trying to address like these twisted Orwellian features or whatever we're doing should have some kind of like counter argument to like how we can prevent that or how we can walk around that and not just like I always like a little bit of hope yeah in my stories yeah and you know maybe that's just us being naive maybe that's just being us being optimists but there's only there's only so much of like that nihilism candy i can chew down before going oh actually i need a bit of a palate cleanser or a drink <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yet some of the most powerful films i've ever seen have been incredibly bleak but uh you know i've appreciated that they've taken me on this journey however that's not something you always want and i think right now no I'm not so inclined to subject myself to media like yeah. that. But, you know, that's just me and, and, and you in this case. But there's plenty of people out there who will lap, lap this up and, and uh, it won't affect them uh, as as much, perhaps. Yeah, and that, that's not to say yeah. I won't ever play it. I must admit, since seeing it on shelves, I have been curious in a way I didn't think I would. But I, I think... I think yeah. That's just my brain going like, well, everyone's talking about this at the moment. Am I missing out by not playing this? But like, I'm curious for the as a technical uh, achievement yeah. from what I've watched. I watched a Digital Foundry video about the technical uh, prowess of Last of Us 2. And for someone who does appreciate playing games and seeing games evolve, yeah. then this seems like uh, a bit of a milestone. I'm sure. Uh, of being compared to Red Dead 2 in terms of its, you know... Well. Yeah, of course. Uh, the, the level of uh, detail and, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's also just the fact that the, this is a game that is pretty much at the end of a console's lifespan made by a first-party developer, which generally means it is going to be this absolute tentpole of what the PS4 was able to achieve. But also, like, to, in my head, like Ghost of Tsushima comes out next week. And that's by Sucker Punch, and it's set in feudal Japan, which is a period I that's have a lot of affinity for. That's what Sucker Punch are doing now. Yeah. Oh, interesting. They moved from Infamous. Yeah, to, they did, uh, and to Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. yeah, and like I love samurai stuff. I love feudal Japan. I yeah. love that period of history. You love Way of the Samurai. I love Way of the Samurai. I like I like anything set there. Uh, kind of sparked yeah. by 
uh, Yakuza Kenzen. We got need to get our signature Yakuza reference in there. But I I had an affinity for that before that. I I'd off, I'd loved samurai films and the ilk. And yes. So it's like, yes. well, I want to yes. play that game more. And I imagine looking in that game and like everyone talking about like, oh, this is probably going to be a PS5 launch title. I imagine that will probably push the system in interesting mm. ways, mm. the same way The Last of Us Two will. And I imagine the story to, to <laughs> Tsushima will probably also be pretty grim from what I've seen in the trailers. Like, it seems like you're a Ronin. I haven't really looked into it too much because I don't want to spoil it, but it seems mm. like you're a Ronin and, like, something has happened to either your village or your master and you need to then go and do that. But I also like Sucker Punch gameplay dynamics. I, I thought Infamous yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Second Son was a really good game. And so I'm like, okay, I'll, yeah. I'll play it and let's see how their formula of capture this area and build up a tower mm. has evolved since the launch of ps4 yeah there's also the point that you can't play everything and no. games cost quite a lot of money new releases do you can't buy everything that comes out you have to prioritize what you're more interested in agreed uh so so to assume that everyone likes video games as playing last of us 2 i think is a little wrong because it's like to assume everyone likes films is watching this particular film. It's it's a matter of taste. Well, to be um, fair, and I, I think, don't like. I think we've kind of gotten to that place with film, though. I think yeah. the zeitgeist is so much focused on Marvel and on mm. like Star Wars or anything else, like any of these big summer blockbusters or or Christmas blockbusters. That I think there is an expectation that if you are like. God, I hate saying this, and I'm using air quotes, so apologies. A mainstream gamer, like, if you are someone who will occasionally just pick up, like, one game, like, every six months or something, yeah. I guess the expectation is, if not FIFA, it will be The Last of Us 2, the same way that last year I could have engaging and interesting conversations with people who didn't play a lot of games about Red Dead and why I didn't yes, like Red Dead. everyone's playing Red Dead. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's the media that creates this buzz around the game, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and it's how it's um, pushed out there and the reviews it gets. People play the games which have the best reviews. And, of course, yeah, Last yeah. of Us 2 has had very good reviews. Has a bit of criticism from fans of Last of Us 1 in yeah. terms of where the story's gone. I've, I've heard this and the whole thing about is it Metacritic having a very low user score compared to a critic score based on fans who just didn't like the story giving the game 1 out of 10. Yeah, but I, I've also heard that some of that review Which bombing is... stuff is abhorrent and just about like people yeah. not liking the fact that there are transgender characters and that Ellie is either bisexual yeah. or a lesbian. I it, haven't looked it, too much into it, but yeah. like It's quite, quite possible. And uh, it's also unfair to rate a game that low on one aspect that you didn't like yeah well it's also just like uh, get over yourself it's 2020 let <laughs> let media tell stories about characters that are different from you you don't always have to be joel the the white yeah. dude trying to do good let games tell the stories they want to tell there are a million think, yeah. games out there that Naughty do Dog that have been I mean, Naughty Dog have even that, made like all of Naughty Dog's catalog bar like Crash Bandicoot is the white dude doing good. Like, well, I, I'm go just going to say, um, what about the Uncharted spin-off where, where, where they focus on the, the female characters? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sniffling then. I you are sniffling. I hope I hope you are doing okay. And that... I'm fine. Okay. I'm fine. I have a bit of a runny nose. It, oh, no. Everything's all right. That's good. 
Uh, but yeah, I'm not um, playing Last of Us 2. I don't feel like it's a game I need to play right now. I also don't want to spend a lot of money on a game I'm not sure about if I want to play or not. Yeah. Uh, I've got other priorities. I just buy the games that from ages ago that have now gone cheap. So yeah. I, I have to wait till they're under 20 quid. <laughs> to be honest, I, I, think... I tried to find Sakura Wars. Like that at the moment is my, other than Ghost of Tsushima, which will come out next week, like I really want to play Sakura Wars. I can't. I can't find it physically for love nor money, and I, I'm just gonna have to bite the bullet and buy it off Amazon, which I don't like doing with games. But like, oh. I, I went. I've heard very little, and that's for someone who is close to Sega. Yeah. Uh, that there hasn't been much of a focus around it, but it's probably for me, at least in my position, down to COVID. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I haven't been as exposed to it, but I don't know if it's as big of a release for Sega as some other Well, games. no, I mean, so I, I've heard some criticism around the game also, but to be honest with you, the, the criticism is kind of what makes me want to jump on board with it because Sakura mm. Tyson and all of the other games in this series have generally been visual novel means real meets real-time strategy. Yeah. Which has always put me off because I'm terrible at real-time strategy games. Even though I've liked the aesthetics, the characters, I like the world and this kind of like alternate World War Two with mechs. I've always thought that was super cool. There's a yeah. there's a Sakura Tyson Game Boy, Tom. It appeals to me on all levels. But yes. I've never been a fan of real-time strategy enough to check it out. Now, it's kind of a third-person action in mechs instead of the real-time strategy mm-hmm. with all the visual novel elements. And like... Okay, with the Sega level of polish on the visual novel stuff, and that like third person running around shooting giant mechs with a mech, I'm like, okay, this ticks all my boxes. I'll, yeah. I'll get on board with this. I think I'd heard that it was a game that had been made to appeal a little more to those who aren't familiar with the series. Yeah, it, it's not... So it had that in mind in its development that it was hope it could be made to appeal to a larger group of people. Of course, that franchise hasn't been big outside of Japan. No, but so, it was uh, huge in gonna... Japan. Like, it, yeah. it had its... For those of you who are unfamiliar with Sakura Tyson as a series, as I said, there is a Game Boy. There was so much demand for a Sakura Tyson portable that Sega worked with Nintendo to make a console... And then there's also, like, there are Dreamcasts. There are men... Like, it is a huge thing. It was on the Saturn. It was super, super popular on the Saturn. I think there's two or three entries into the series on the Saturn. There's Mm. the Game Boy version. There's two or three of them, I think, on the Dreamcast. One or two that is real-time strategy. One or two that are just straight-up visual novel side story things. I think there's even a uh, Columns... A variation on it. Yes, on there the is. Cast. There are. I think there's something games. like that. <laughs> it is a huge, huge franchise in Japan that, other than I think maybe a Wii release, I think kind of went dormant after. Other than a Wii release, I think it kind of went dormant after the the death of the Dreamcast, and this Ooh. was, oh, from what I've read, a, a push, as you say, Tom, to not only have bring that franchise back, but then make it more palatable to a Western audience in yeah. the same way that uh, Yakuza yeah. is. But it looks really cool, but I've not been able to find a copy. Obviously, here in Denmark, GameStop shutting yeah. down was the the nail in the coffin of me being able to buy it physically here. When yeah. I was in Hungary, where there are a lot more video game shops, oddly enough, uh, the two places I went, one of the big retailers didn't hadn't even heard of it and couldn't find it in their system. And then the other guys were like, oh, well, yeah, our system says we have it, even though I've not seen it. 
but our back room's a complete mess because of COVID because we just got video game shipments in on top of video game shipments and we were shut for three months. So like, if we can find it, you can have it. But if not, then we don't have it. And I went back and they couldn't find it. So I will have to bite the bullet and buy it off Amazon, I think. But let's see. Yeah. Uh, it's cool that Sega are doing this, though, to, to give this game, which, you know, wouldn't necessarily see the light outside of Japan. Yeah. Um, and in their 60th year as well, uh, like Sagata San- Sanshiro, <laughs> yes. bringing him back, bring back uh, Sakura Wars as well. It's it's a good uh, year for Sega. It is, for sure. Respect. I mean, mm. mini mini game gear disappointment aside, can't can't fault the year that's given me a Yakuza collection, a new Sakura Tyson yes. game, and then also an updated Persona. So, so um, that Yakuza collection, I've bought it now. Have you got it? Yeah. Yeah, I, well, I bought it today actually, just for the podcast, and uh, I noticed it was starting to get a little bit thin on the ground. Yeah, I, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, that is a very popular series now, and Arg- yeah, Argos was selling it uh, with a discount, and it seemed to be the only place it's selling at a discount. Every other price seemed to be high. Yeah, for it, um, or just not in stock. I haven't actually so... seen it on store shelves. Like, I mean, admittedly, yeah. it just came out in like that flourish before COVID, but like. I, I haven't seen it anywhere. I still see copies of Yakuza 6 hanging around, but I in my, in the game stores I visited in yeah. Germany and Hungary, I couldn't see it anywhere. Kiwami, uh, Kiwami 2 uh, has gone to say, uh, PlayStation Best Of yeah. uh, range now, so that's very readily available. So I prioritise getting this, and I'm saying to myself, I'm going to start playing them. I've got to at this point. You can't spend all that money on getting all oh, the games mate, if you're not going to play them. They're so, uh, so good, honestly. Like... I, 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 you I, like Yakuza, man? I didn't I know. No, but like I, I mentioned this on the podcast. I was on yesterday when I recorded. I was like, they're like, do you play modern games? I was like, yeah, I fucking love the Yakuza series. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know, Tom. I just they, they tick, they tick a box in my brain that I didn't know need ticking. And yeah. as we've talked about, and as we discussed on that podcast yesterday, it's because they're just modern day like side scrolling beat 'em ups. Mm. It is it is a, a a 3D double dragon with all of the craziness that the Yakuza world brings thrown on top of that, and then meets like really pseudo serious muscly crime drama. I love it. It's so good. Yeah, I ummed and ahed about getting this remastered collection because I thought, well, I've got the first two on PS2, I've got the third and fourth on PS3. I have uh, the ability to download the fifth on PS3. However, I don't have the room. I, I have don't to buy a hard drive my... to buy. Yeah. Yakuza yeah. 5. So so rather than buy a bigger hard drive for my PS3 and then go through all that process of copying everything over and everything like that, I thought, well, let's just get it. It's cheap enough. And, uh, yeah, I think it's the best thing to do. Also, the fact that these versions I hear are remastered slightly. Yes. And also have cut content. Yes. in there the is, original Western releases. There is yeah. a lot of shit in Yakuza 3 that was removed for some reason. And I have I have no idea why, but like there's lots of there's lots of like scenes and side stories and stuff that apparently aren't in there. And I've always I've talked about Yakuza Three as my my least favorite entry into the Yakuza mm. series. I I'm wondering if that will actually once those things are back in there, will that make me gel with that game in a way I didn't before? But I still haven't yeah. got around to playing it. I'm I'm going to, but yeah, let's see. I noticed that the 
I don't know if there's two versions or not. There's a day one version. I know that. Is there a standard version? Because I don't know what I bought, in all honesty. No idea. I know the day one edition, the whole like to... point of it was like, hey, it's got a box for Yakuza 5. Yeah. Which to most I'm people is fussed. super pointless. It's... But to me, I was like, yes! Yeah, I totally get that add to your collection for me i'm not bothered which one it is i do think though the day one edition's got that nice cardboard case with the fold out thing with the artwork yeah. and it looks quite nice so but i'd hope i get that one the, I don't the, know. the one fault with that is that nice cardboard version with the sleeve is is a cardboard box around the yakuza 5 box yeah, so I've seen, yeah, now I've that seen. I've taken the Yakuza Five box out to put it in the Yakuza Shrine, sorry, listen to the podcast. I do have a Yakuza Shrine. Oh, it's now. A... I've, I've li- put... yeah, the box bit. I've had to put, put another PS3 game in there. I could, but like what I ended up doing was actually just putting the like the inlet bit in my in the drawer with my PS4 games on my TV stand because I was like, well, it saves a bit of space. Actually, it's a bit thinner than a, a Blu-ray case. Yeah. I also so. then don't have to like mash something in randomly and then in like three years figure mm. out where the hell was this? Where's my copy of Alpha Protocol? Oh, it's in the Yakuza box. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have I done you proud, Matt? You have. <laughs> you're, my, you're my boy, Tom. Um, uh, the only one I don't have now of the Western released games is Kiwami 2, but I think I'll get that down the line when I've played a bit more. Uh, well, this is the thing, Tom. Like, I think. Oh, God, right. So, are you going to play Zero first, or are you going yeah, to play One first? Zero's the plan. Because now that you have all of these things on one system, it doesn't really make sense to play them chronologically, because you're going to be playing a version of One that is different from the PS2 version of One anyway. Play play mm. Zero, play One and Two. I don't think Four will blow you away in the same way if you've played Yakuza Zero first, because I think there are some spoilers ah. to that game in there. But it's still an incredible game. Yakuza 4 is fantastic. I love it. Mm. Yeah. And that's Yakuza done. Yep, that's how Yakuza bit. <laughs> Look at that. We haven't even played it. We brought it in. Um, yeah, so other than that, I picked up some stuff on our way back. I, if you remember when I got married, I stopped in... We stopped in Dresden, uh, which is a, a beautiful, beautiful town in the south of Germany. Um, for those of you familiar with the book uh, by Kurt Vonnegut, Slaughterhouse Five, Dresden is a place that was bombed essentially for no reason at the end of World War Two um, by American and U.S. forces. They they blitzed the city even after Germany had surrendered, just because they could, essentially, just to show off military might. And because of that, Dresden is was a beautiful town and had all these things and they've built it slowly back up to resemble pre-war Dresden over the years. But there is, there are still these beautiful cathedrals and things and they've just got, they've clearly still got fire damage because they firebombed the entire town and so you can still see the soot and all of the ash mm, on the buildings the and things and it's still there and yeah. it's still very present in the city but i i mm. I, I love dresden uh, that atrocity aside i think it's a beautiful town and it was it's nice to stop off back there on the way back um we we ended up visiting a retro store last time we went there just because it was kind of near where we were staying oh and the name escapes me i'm a bad person but essentially it was a huge store i ended up picking up a lot of um Game Boy Color games there, 
we went back there now. I think it's just called uh, Retro Game Trader or something like that. It's a very generic name, which is why it's escaping me. And we went in there. We it was we drove to where it was because I remembered where it was because it was very near the place we stayed. We stayed there again, and it wasn't there. So I had to Google it, and they'd moved to a smaller location. And last time I went there, it was like an Aladdin's cave of riches. There was just so much stuff there that you never see anywhere else. And they mm. had like really cool stuff because the store had been around for a long time. So they had lots of like display stand things that you would never see nowadays in a modern retro store just because they've had them for, since time infinitum. And like we went, I went to this new store and they obviously in moving spaces they'd probably reassessed a lot of their inventory and priced things accordingly to like ebay value and a lot of it had probably just gone in them moving from one location to another that was more central so more people would see this store and so i i didn't get a lot of the same excitement of like just rooting through like piles and piles of video games that i did last time that is not to say though that they didn't have some cool stuff I picked up one or two things for the Master System, um, Spider-Man, mm. um, the Smurfs, Rainbow Island, and... Hey, can we... Smurfs yeah. on Master System? Yes. I think it's maybe more playable than the Mega Drive and SNES version. I hear it is it's actually... It's a little bit easier yeah, to I, play. I hear it's good. I mean, to be honest with you, that's yeah. what I hear about Fantasy Zone as well. When I've played Fantasy Zone, like, I'd rotten the Master System version off because I don't like the Game Gear version. But people are like, no, the Master System version is better than the Game Gear version. Even though it's the same game, plays better because it it's on the bigger screen. Uh, I also think that Dick Tracy is better on the Master System than it is on the Mega Drive. It's, uh, yeah. it's better designed. And I also picked up uh, Robocop 3, which is... Actually, quite an obscure Master System game. I picked up a copy for my friend Tom, who runs Super Tomato in Cardiff, which mm. is an excellent retro game store in the UK. If you're in Cardiff, go check it out when it reopens. <laughs> um, I picked this up for him boxed because he loves Robocop 3. He, he has different versions of that game on different systems. I think I sold him my version for the Mega Drive, actually, as well, because he was after it. So, so he loves the game rather than the film. I think so, yeah. I think he may have some yes, like the film's a bit vivid. I think he may have some kind of sense of guilty nostalgia for Robocop three the film, but yeah, he loves the <laughs> video games based on that. And so I bought it for him, like I picked up a box mass system copy for him ages ago, not really realising how rare it was. He didn't even know it existed. And it turns out it only came out in Australia and there was a cartridge there and I was like, I'll go on then. I'll pick that up just in case. Um, I'll give it a go. I haven't had a chance to play them yet. As I said, it's been quite a busy week after coming back, but look forward to dipping into them. And then Game Boy-wise, I just picked up like one or two German-exclusive games. Like there's an Otto Vance pinball game. Of course there is. Because there's an Otto Vance game on every bloody system. Um, I picked up some like foosball, like R- German football cartoon RPG thing that I'll probably never play because it was a Euro. And... I got actually the Castlevania double pack finally. What's that? Is that for the Game Boy? That is for the Game Boy Advance. That is um, Harmony of Dissonance and Aria of Sorrow. Ah. The the two more pricey uh, Castlevania games for the Game Boy Advance. I unfortunately, I Game Boy Advance was the era much like the PS2 where I was very strapped for cash, and so I would have to sell games back and forth. About to to make to buy other games, and so that meant as soon as I finished Harmony of Dissonance, I sold it, bought Aria of Sorrow, and then I sold Aria of Sorrow as well. So, great names, aren't they? Great titles. Oh, God. 
I, actually, the Japanese name for Harmony of Dissonance is even better. I love it. I had my my friend Dan imported it like when it came out because he loves Castlevania. It mm. used to be his favorite mm. series. Uh, it's called White Knight Concerto, and I just I think that game is just oh Concerto. It's so perfect, and like Harmony of Dissonance, I get it, but White Knight Concerto is just such a good name for a game. Sounds like a good name for a band. Yeah, that, yeah, I'm sure I'm, <laughs> there must be like a Castlevania like orchestra band, out yeah. there called White Knight Concerto. I'm sure of it. If it doesn't exist, make it happen, internet. Yeah, yeah so I picked those up. Um, I got actually a. A China copy of Outrun, which is to my side, which is you know the the Chinese releases of Game Boy games that are slightly obscure released for China. And Outrun. Games. That said, Chase HQ. Not, oh, Chase HQ. Sorry, I saw a red car and my brain went to a wrong place. I apologise. Yes, Chase HQ. Not a good Game Boy game, but I, alas, nice to have it with the CHN on the label because that's the way my brain works. Yeah, I, that was it. I, I saw a lot of nice things. They had Power Strike 2 for the Game Gear, which I'm still regretting not picking up because I didn't realise it was a different game from the Master System version. A last two. But there we go. Swings and roundabouts. And they had they had some other bits and bobs as well that were quite nice that I was tempted by. But with RetroCollect being down, I wasn't yeah. sure which Final Fantasy games I have and which Fire Emblem games I have for the Game Boy Advance. So I was like... Mm. Oh, I'm not gonna not gonna risk buying what is essentially quite a pricey Game Boy Advance game, even though the prices were quite reasonable to get home and see. Oh shit! I already have Final Fantasy V. Turns out I didn't. I have Final Fantasy IV. Ah, so so it goes. Painful, painful. Uh, I've been uh, focusing on Dreamcast a lot lately. Really? Uh, partly because I've got this adapter now that lets me plug it into the HD Tally, and it's a very good adapter. Oh really? I mean, very sharp. It's by a company called. Kaiko, £35 off Amazon, uh, looks fantastic, looks bright. I worry about these adapters sometimes, the colours go a bit yes. off. This looks spot on. I couldn't imagine it looking any better, Okay. in all honesty. So, And it doesn't stretch the picture, it keeps it 4 by 3 Yeah, it's been nice to play the Dreamcast games on a bigger telly. Okay. So, uh, pick up a few... Uh, games lately. Started off playing a bit of Pen Pen Triathlon. Yes. Not Triathlon, but Triathlon. I love the cover of that game. Say. Yeah, it, it's got some great characters in it, some really kooky uh, characters, and the actual gameplay is fairly unique too, because you're sliding on your belly yeah. uh, on the ice, that's the first part, and then you do a bit of running, you do a bit of swimming, and yeah, it, it's a fun game. I could recommend that one. It looks really colourful and uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. And then what else have I been playing? Speed Kings. Got the Japanese copy of that. That is a Ubisoft developed game, I think. Racing game where you have drive around quite creative tracks. There's a Hollywood track, for instance, where you know King Kong's there and a okay. dinosaur. and So it's quite a fun racing game that handles quite well. Uh, so I can recommend that one. Also, I'm playing a bit of Roadsters. I don't know if you remember Roadsters. I don't remember Roadsters. It's no. on PS1, N64, Dreamcast. Um, it's okay. Right. It, it, it's, it's the most average thing you've probably ever played. It functions as a racing game. Oh, it's barely. this. This is also on the Game Boy. I have. I, yeah, I'm sure functions. there's a Game Boy Color version of this as well. That's the nicest thing I can say about it. It doesn't. It's playable. 
<laughs> but it's funny, it reminds me of Extreme Quads when uh, there's an obstacle on the track and all the cars just smash into it. Really? Because they haven't been able to take the corner properly. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, sometimes I feel like the AI's perfect and you can't catch up with it. Other times the AI's so dumb, you know, they crash quite easily. Yeah. It's a very odd game. If you can find it cheap enough, it's certainly playable. But it's like somebody has... If you imagine the most basic 3D racing game. Yes. You know, using the Dreamcast hardware as, you know, a baseline of, you know, at least having <laughs> quite sharp yeah. 3D graphics. Yeah, it's like a Phoenix game. Oh, really? Is it? Well, I mean, it is by Titus, to be fair. So, like, I could, yeah. I could I see that to... comparison. I... The funny thing is, I have fond memories of this on the N64. And playing it on Dreamcast, I was kind of shocked that it wasn't perhaps as solid as... I think yeah. I've played a lot of better racing games since. So, I, I needed to do a bit of my research, so apologies for going on the phone, Tom. I promise I was listening to you and your no, frustrations no. with this. I, I hear the word extreme quads <laughs> and my heart skipped the beat of forcing you to play that game. Um, I there are, two, there are two games for the Game Boy Color called Roadster. One of them yeah. is developed by Tonkin House, uh, who did like boxing. <laughs> what? Yeah, Tonkin House. Tonkin House. Yeah, they're they're quite a prolific ga- early Game Boy and NES developer. I think they did a lot of stuff on the MSX as well. Mm, um, mm. That game is a top-down racer. That game is very good. Therefore, that that racer. game is quite pricey. However, mm. little did I know because I've I may have spare copies of Roadster by Titus because I've tried to buy the. Tonkin House version of Roadster well, a couple of times in it's auction. Roadsters. It's it's plural. Yeah, it, so so is the Tonkin House one, I think. Oh no, it isn't. Okay. Tonkin House one is Roadster as That's well. That's the difference. Roadsters. Right. Um, uh, but lo and behold, Tom Parry, it is also a top-down racer for the Game Boy Color. Oh wow! So it's a generic Micro Machines clone. Yes. <laughs> so I I don't know. I'll I'll give it a quick spin and let you know if it's any good. Um, I got a box copy yeah. actually. Uh, from someone on RetroCollect for the Secret Santa, so I'll oh, cool. I I don't think I've actually played I, it. I would say Roadsters is perfectly playable, but on a very base level of 3D racing games. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I'm playing that a little. Uh, Sega GT a bit. That's a, a bit better of a game, but it's, of course it's in the uh, Gran Turismo mold, so you've got to do the licenses before you can actually get into the proper racing yeah. which i always find a bit of a frustration uh, anyway it's a very good game i remember when that came out it was very well received yeah and had great great reviews it's, it's um if you want something that's gran turismo like on the dreamcast so that's your, your go-to game okay uh i've also been playing devil may cry 5 oh wow on the xbox one i started that last night and i'm quite into it it's a good actually. game tom i actually really enjoy that game yeah, so how much have you played? I beat it? the game. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. It, it, it's got to be good if you, you go through the whole thing. It's not I'm very long. I'm playing on human, diffi- human difficulty. So did I. To... Yes, uh, because it says, are you an experienced Devil May Cry player? I said, well, I've played them all, but yeah. never finished one. So yeah. <laughs> I thought, I'm not an experienced player. But what I love about it is I love the style. I love the design. I love the ideas within it. I'm still struggling a bit with the Devil Breaker thing, kind of understanding how to get the most out of yeah, that. Yeah, I, I felt that way all the way through the game, to be honest with you. Yeah, it, it kind of bigs it up as being a huge part of the gameplay. 
and having to stock up of them before you go out on a mission. Uh, but you do find them lying around. I don't know you if that's do. something maybe in harder difficulties. I don't think you, don't you find, find them on the many. harder difficulties. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say on human, I didn't have to engage with the system that much because they were readily yeah. available. They yeah. they do kind of come into play in later parts of the game. You kind of do need to think I, about them yeah. a bit more, but like not too much, to be honest with you. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, for those who haven't played the game, the Devil Breaker is a uh, accessory, I guess, that Nero wears to replace his arm, which at the beginning of the story is taken from him. Yes. His demon arm thing, because I've not really played four, but he had a special kind of arm, didn't he? Like it was a, a demon arm. Yes, if he I did. I understand correctly. Mm-hmm. And they took it back from him and then he's replaced it. He has this uh, sidekick. Uh, she she makes all the gadgets for him and stuff, but she's quite a fun character yeah, as well. Yeah, she is. The, the, the... I forget her. Nico, her name is. Yes, yeah. Nico. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the characters in that game are great. I can't remember. Yeah, V as well. Oh, that, yes, V. I knew it was a letter. I was like, oh, shit, what's his name? <laughs> I love playing as V. And, like, to be honest with you, as, as much as I like playing as both Dante and Nero and, like, getting engaged with the systems... There's just something really fun about playing as a character who's walking around reading poetry and you're still doing button combinations. You still feel like you're playing the game. But, like, you don't have to worry too much about, like, enemies knocking you back and stuff because you're doing that yourself. Like, you're evading being hit by being on the periphery right. of the battle. And you've just... I've not been able to play as him yet. Oh, I've only God, it's so fun, two... man mission so yeah it, it's great I, I he's hands down he's my favorite way to play the game and imagine if there was ever a film made adam driver would probably play oh the, absolutely there's maybe. clearly <laughs> some adam driver influence there although in adam driver would have to lose a lot of weight a lot of bulk he would so yeah they v is rather on the skinny side to be honest well as and clear, he has that, they've prettied adam driver up substantially as well yeah, I think. Yeah, he's a pretty boy with his tattoos as well. And everything. Yeah, yeah. Throws a bit of emo music, I imagine. Uh, but he just, uh, he's got a very nonchalant kind of uh, personality, hasn't he? Yes. And he just, just swans around. Yeah. And <laughs> he's quite powerful. So I haven't, I haven't actually watched them yet. I've, I've been saving them for a rainy day because I didn't have the special edition of Devil May Cry Five. But there's okay. also every cutscene. The, the people who made the game, like the animation directors and stuff, like filmed themselves oh, making the cutscenes. Yeah, scenes. I've heard about this. Oh, yeah. God. I, I, I'd completely forgotten about them until this conversation. I really need to just go and watch them after this because I hear they are an absolute delight. They are everything you want of like really campy, like people shooting themselves, making whole movies for these ridiculous scenes that they were going to animate. So I, I hear they're a joy to behold. Oh, so it's like a reference for the animation. Yeah, exactly. So it's like the animators <laughs> acting themselves and like where there should be like a giant bird or something and they've got plush toys or like drawings that oh, they like wow. lower into the frame and stuff. Wow, it's interesting to know that's how they put it all together. I, it's a very polished game. Yeah. It's got great design ideas. So far, you know, I'm 100% sold on the gameplay. I don't know how I feel about it. I kind of enjoy it, but I kind of find it a little bit shallow. In a way, yeah, I, I I feel you, but like it, to be honest with you, like you will get even on human difficulty, you will get pushed a little bit as you start to go through the game. I think that was kind of my frustration with the game is like, well, I played it on human difficulty, should I have upped it because then it would be more of a challenge? But then I think the gameplay may have felt a bit more tedious 
because then I, I think oh, I would have got okay. frustrated that I wasn't landing combos. I'm not sure if it gets that balance between like easy, normal, and hard yeah. right. It's it's when you get a really good rank at the end of the mission that you don't feel like you really deserve <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it's just like, I literally just mashed the square <laughs> button, man. Like... <laughs> Uh, but it's fun and and style. It's got style. It's oozing, oozing with style. stylish action, my friend, all the way. Yeah, yeah. I did watch the video, which kind of was a recap of all the Devil May Cry stories. Yeah, but I don't know how much added to it really. I knew the basic stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had forgotten a lot of four, to be honest with you, which was kind of the most important one because that that mattered more than anything else. Like Devil May Cry one or mm. two, other than knowing who Virgil was. It's like, okay, I, I yeah. don't really need to know anything else. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I could see myself playing a bit more of that. i got to play that alongside the Yakuza now, I guess. Uh, I, I don't like to set myself these uh, goals. Well, I, as I, I said to... to you, Tom, like, I, Dead by Cry 5 is a very short game. Uh, I think it's like seven, okay. eight hours. Like, honestly, it's a fun romp. It does not stay as welcome. Yeah. What it makes me think of a little bit, I know the gameplay is very different, but Shadow of the Damned yes. is sort of like stylistically and kind of crazy it's crazy it's very stylish it's got a very appealing world like show of the damned yeah it's full of character yeah no it is it's definitely yeah it definitely is in the same vein i mean it's what's his face right it's the same director i don't think so no i the guy who made devil is it the guy who made devil may cry is definitely the guy who made uh that game it's what's his he, he also made resident evil resident evil 4 chap yeah oh is he i didn't know he was involved in five uh, well, let me type shadows of the damned i'm not sure if he is but like he was definitely involved in shinji, four. Mikami. shinji Mikami. I, he was definitely involved in he's four. not the director on five i know that much but maybe his influence is still there i'm gonna it's gonna fact check myself because wasn't devil may cry meant to be like resident evil or something at one point yes i think so I think it was designed to be a Resident Evil game and then evolved into its own thing. Am I, Could be wrong. Am I completely skewing this? No, it's definitely involved in the first Devil May Cry. He was the executive producer. Uh, let me go down to Devil May Cry 5. No, he was only involved in the first one. I apologise. I thought he had more of a hand in it. But yeah, that influence mm, is clearly It's got a, it's a damned flavour about it, I think. Well, to be fair, like I think Devil May Cry Four is what I would I would argue that Shadows of the Damned has more of a Devil May Cry Four flavor to it. Okay. Oh right, yeah. I get you. So I like, you. I I see the knock on there. So like, them influencing each other, perhaps. But I think also it's the music as well, because like when you're upgrading your weapons and stuff, there's like a cool little tune going in the background. You've got animations of Nico as well. It sort of reminds me a little bit of when you went to the store in Child of the Damned or you had a little piece that broke up the action with a little fun little ditty. The music sounds very different yeah. in those sections. You kind of It gives you a moment to relax and kind of chill out before you then go into the, the action sections. Yes, exactly. Uh, I yeah, I think um, it's appealed to me. It's grabbed me. It's a good uh, game, which is weird because when I played the demo, it didn't quite do that. <laughs> but the demo is mostly the gameplay. Whereas when you play the main game, you get all the build up to it. You get all the characters. Uh, yeah, you start to kind of like the characters. Exactly. To be honest mm. with you, it gets to a point within that game, which is quite rare for me, where I was actually 
looking forward to the story more than playing the game. <laughs> it's so like yeah. the the world yeah. and everything around it is so good that I was like, yeah, I need to I need to see this game through. Hmm. So there you go. I've been playing this stuff too, but I think we're we're come to the nearly one hour ten minute mark. Yeah, on this so podcast. we should wrap. We should probably start wrapping it up. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Right, if you've liked this podcast, uh, you can find it in a variety of places. You can go on the old Twitter Bobs where we are at TMA Cast. Tom is at Tom Parry Eleven. I'm at Game Boyle. Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Tom and Matt Attack. You can listen to the podcast in a variety of places as well, including iTunes, Stitcher, and on BlastProcess.com, as well as TomAmattAttack.com forward slash podcast. While you're in iTunes, why not give us a cheeky rate and subscribe? Let us know you are listening. And on that note, Tom Parry, it's been a pleasure. Have you got anything coming up on oh, YouTube this week? Pleasure. Uh, this week you can watch me play uh, Shaolin versus Wu-Tang. Oh, wow. Uh, on a I will definitely previously do Previously aired live stream. Uh, so you can check that out if you want to see that game in action. I would love to. It's a, a game I've long been curious about. After you discussing it on the podcast, so I will give that a look. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I will... I hopefully I it will not be up by the time this podcast says, but within the next couple of days, YouTube, um, I will not be doing license in the same way I have the previous years, Tom Parry. I will be doing Gojirai and I will be covering the Sorry. four Godzilla games uh, throughout July oh, this year. Wow. You called it Goji Gojirai. Gojirai. Yeah. Wow. Gojira. Gojira. Yeah. Gojira. Or it could be Gojira. I, I am. I'm quite excited. Yeah, I'm still workshopping the names. <laughs> well, that's something to look forward to. Yeah, I, I've already recorded the the first load of footage. I did it actually a while ago. I did it when uh, Godzilla Two came out. So I've I've been okay. sitting on the footage for a while. Um, but yeah, I'll I will upload that. And there's also there's the two excellent Godzilla games by Crawfish, uh, on the game by Color. And then there is a side-scrolling beat-em-up Godzilla game that only came out in Japan. I've got one on the Game Boy Advance, but I guess you won't be covering that. No, I will not. That's way forward, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. That's quite good. It is. Right, okay. Thank you for podcasting right, with me, Tom Parry. Um, and yeah, as I said... <laughs> well, thank you for chatting with me, Matthew. After you've listened to this podcast, uh, slip over and give the Drunk Friends podcast a listen if you're interested in YouTube and the behind-the-scenes stuff on that. I believe the podcast will be up on Friday, so between this episode and the next one of ours, uh, there should be another podcast if you want an excuse to listen to my voice again for an hour. so Always, always. Cool. Thanks, Tom. Uh, until next week, everybody Thanks, out man. there, be sure to game on. Game on.